What is up, Panther fans? Welcome back to the X-Clown Show, your favorite Panthers podcast. I'm Steven Sears, joined by Chase Pletcher and Brian Emery. How are y'all doing, man? Hey, I'm doing pretty well. It took all of, like, the first three hours of college football season for this sport to just shatter my heart again. So we're officially back. We're officially back now. At least you guys had, like, a an epic game there, right? Oh, it was electric. Like, it was – Honestly, maybe the one of maybe the wildest football game. Like we scored six touchdowns in the fourth quarter and still lost the game, which just seems totally unfathomable. But just you guys, madness. you guys might be in better spirits than Chase's NC State. I don't know, even though they won. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. A win's a win. It was never in doubt. It was never in doubt. So. <laughs> But no, yeah, no, I, I I was, you know, it was nice to have college football back. You know, I, uh, being a West Virginia and NC State fan, you know, I really thought I was going to have two extremely unfortunate losses to start off my football season. Um, you know, bad news for us Panthers fans, though. I did, in fact, use my one God, if you are listening to me right now, <laughs> prayer. But before, before EC's kicker lined up for that field goal, I did say, God, if you're listening, you know, I need you to make him miss for me. And so I'm, I'm out of luck rest of the season. Damn, and I don't, I, don't, I don't think it's split up amongst the different leagues either. So I do think I don't even have one of those for the Panthers. Um, so I'm out. I'm out, so it's up to you guys now for uh, if the Panthers ever need one of those. That's tough. I still got mine, so we should be in good hands. <laughs> All right, but we got a we got a good episode in. Um, uh, looking forward to it. We got a uh, week one. We're a week away from less than a week away at this point uh, hey. for the Panthers taking the field. Week one against the Browns. We're going to have Corey Kennan of the Orange and Blue Report join us uh, later on. But before that, we're going to get into some quick news and our preseason thoughts. So just to run through that real quick, we actually had a big one today. Davion Nixon got cut, and we signed Henry Anderson and I think Preston Williams, um, receiver from the Dolphins yep. and a, a D lineman from New England, I believe. What do y'all think about that? A lot of people were surprised to see Nixon go. Yeah, I mean, I was definitely a bit surprised when I first saw that. But, I mean, if you take a step back, he was, what, a fifth-round draft pick coming off a serious injury. And granted, he did, like – I remember him making some plays early on last year. Mm-hmm. So it is a bit interesting. They're throwing the towel, you know, in on him this early. But, I mean, like, I think we've kind of talked about this in our group chat. But I think some people were kind of maybe freaking out a little bit too much. Because, again, we're talking about this year day three player off a serious injury. Um, <laughs> I think some people were acting they just – cut like a future all pro player and i don't really <laughs> think that happened so apparently they want to try to get him back on the practice squad so that would obviously be ideal i think um but i mean either way like i mean i'm not i'm not i was a bit surprised but i'm definitely not too pressed about it either yeah i mean it's one of those like you said i think we all wanted to believe we had found oh hey a nice day three rotation piece since most of them end up getting cut or they're jermaine carter or something like that um but you know i thought i think all of us just wanted to believe that we had found a nice depth piece late in the draft because we just don't do that often Mm -hmm. um and then you know him getting cut it's kind of it's kind of one of those well hey if they feel mccall and you know, if, if he, they feel those those guys, uh, the other guys that they have in place are going to be better, you know, it's, it's probably so marginal. It's probably not a big deal. 
Um, so, so yeah, it, it was surprising. I think that's the best way to put it. I guess neither in a good nor a bad way. It was just surprising to me. Yeah. Oh, sorry, you guys did. No, no. Um, I was just going to say I agree. It definitely wasn't like the name I was expecting to see released, um, especially considering, you know, I guess a lot of people thought he had some pretty good potential to be a solid rotation player. But at the end of the day, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm not hurt. So yeah, go yeah. ahead, Brian. I, I think just the first thing I thought of when I saw the news is I was like, damn, so they must like Bill Hoskins or Haskins. I think it's Hoskins, isn't it? Yeah, it's, Hoskins. Yeah. yeah. Seventh round pick in 2021 from Kentucky. My first thought was, okay, well, they must be higher on Hoskins than Nixon. And, like, I do remember, I think it was the Miami game last year. Like, Hoskins, had, I mean, he definitely showed some flashes. So, you know, we'll see We'll see if they have anything there. I mean, Bravion Roy still hanging around. This will be his third year now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, they've definitely kind of attacked the interior of the defensive line on day three ever since Rule has been around. So it kind of felt like, you know, I guess Nixon was the odd guy out. And, again, I didn't expect that. But, again, like, I, I really don't think they would have cut someone that was just dominant this offseason. So so maybe yeah. Nixon just didn't play well this offseason or the other guys just outperformed him. So that's probably all there is to it. Again, I'd love to have him back on the practice squad. But either way, I – I don't think this is, you know, some huge groundbreaking, like, you know, what's yeah, right. a crazy questionable decision. Right. Was was Nixon the one that y'all were telling me to draft ahead of Derek Brown during the uh, our yeah. fantasy draft? <laughs> and, and Roy. <laughs> hey, I, was, I was still endorsed that. I was still endorsed. <laughs> That's funny. All right. Uh, see, moving on to some other news. LaVisca Chenault, we traded for him from the Jacksonville Jaguars. I think we sent them a couple – late round picks in future years. Um, there was a big uproar about that. I personally, I mean, you know, I think he has a little bit of potential. I'm not expecting too much, but, you know, exciting, I guess. What do y'all think about that? Big Chenault fans in here, maybe? Um, I can't say I'm a big Chenault fan, but I will say when we looked at it, when I looked at the trades in totality after we picked up – um. Oh my gosh! Why am I the the other trade we made where we tra- oh we traded Dennis Daly. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, when yeah. we traded, if you look at it in totality, we we ended up getting um, it was like Chenault and uh, it was Chenault and like a pick for a Dennis. Pick, yeah, a, a Chenault and a fifth for like Dennis Daly and like a sixth and a seventh. It was like if you combine the two trades and you look at it as a whole, I'm like, you know what? I'll take that every time. Yeah, um, why not? Chenault, who knows? He really may he may end up being mid, but. With a guy that got drafted so high, I guess maybe there's some amount of talent there where they're like, yeah. you know what, maybe we can salvage it, which, oh, Lord, you know, he- hearing that again after the whole Darnold stuff. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's just this year's project, right? Like, right, it's just this year's project. But once again, even if Chenault ends up being mid, what are the odds we could go into, let's say, this 2023 draft and draft a fifth-round pick? that even ends up having as good of a career as Chenault's had. Which sounds crazy because it's not like he's had some grand career, but that's exactly my point. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, Honestly, I absolutely hated this trade. Uh, No. (laughs) Like, I mean, I guess a sixth and a seventh, but we saw, like, literally a couple hours after we dealt for Chenault, the Eagles traded like the same thing for Chauncey Gardner Johnson. So it's easy to just <laughs> picks off, but like we do see all the time, like actual like in a, like dudes in this league. And, and again, the, the Chauncey Gardner Johnson trade, I think was more to do with like the saints not wanting to give him an extension yet, but still. And like, I think just Chanel, he cannot get open. I mean, I, he's, 
mm-hmm. more of like a I think he's much more of a running back than a receiver. Like he's great with the ball in his hands. The problem is as a receiver, he can't get it open enough to make it worth it to put him on the field. So if they have like a really creative way they might try to use him, maybe it ends up being cool, but I don't know. I don't expect it. And this just this whole regime's just they, I mean, they give away draft picks like it is nothing. And, yeah. again, I, I, I know it's your last two picks of the draft, but they can still serve a purpose to an extent. And, I mean, we just – we keep watching these guys just trash draft picks. Like, the Florida season's even started now. So, I, I was – if it would have been one pick, I'd be like, fine. I really don't like how they they traded two picks for this guy who, again, he just he can't get open on – Again, he's he's dangerous when he can actually get the ball in his hands, but that's just so rare because, again, I mean, he's never open in the first place. So I, I'm pretty out on it. I'd love to be wrong, but can't say I was going to that move. I'm, I'm, I'm fine with it, but I do agree that, it to me, it felt pointless. It kind of felt like he yeah. was just trading to trade. I'm not really against it. It almost just felt pointless. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I, I mean, it's it's – I don't know. Yeah, the, the Chauncey Garner Johnson thing is really weird. NFL trades are the weirdest. So weird. Like, I, I just, it's, it's hard to fathom. But well, yeah, like you mentioned, one of the things with the Chunk, not only were they, the uh, Eagles didn't only trade those two picks, they're basically trading the rights to probably give him some record breaking safety contract. Because every new contract each year is the record breaking contract from the year prior. Um, so it, it's, it's like they're not just trading that, they're basically trading up a percentage of their cap space too. Because you're not going to make that trade without, you know, giving him that contract. But I, I do. It, it's kind of pointless. It may end up working out to be nothing. But I guess the way I'm thinking about it is if I if I had a six-round pick, I probably couldn't even draft a dude that I could guarantee is going to get 300 receiving yards in a season. True, true. Yeah. Yeah, definitely weird. That was my initial uh, thought as well. Just kind of like, why do we do that? Especially considering I feel like – Every receiver that we have rostered right now, I like to some extent. You know, yeah. like DJ Robbie, obviously, and then you know Terrace Marshall. We all kind of hope he can be something. Like, oh, I don't uh, like him, so I take. Him. You don't? Oh, uh, you don't like there? I mean, won. you know, he hasn't done anything yet, but I feel like there's something there. I'm holding right? onto like, a sliver of hope still, but yeah, he's, right. Like he's gonna do something in that first month of the season, and I think I'll be the same way, Chase. Yeah, yeah ho- ho- hope. Hopefully, Nikhil Marshall Jr. does something. In uh, but no, no, Steve, you're right though. Like even Higgins, you know, connection with Baker. It's yeah, all right. Those little Higgins, things. Shy Smith. Like you know, Shy had a pretty big preseason. I feel like so. I feel like it would have made a lot of sense to kind of get those guys, you know, more involved in the rotation. Um, and we kept Andre Roberts, which I thought was weird. Yeah, but that didn't like that. Yeah, I mean, I, I would rather just see. You know, they had Shy filled in punts um, at least in the first preseason game. I don't know what happened after that, but you know, I like to see him take on that role, or you know, just find somebody else and you know, filled an actual receiver, but, you know, kind of like what Brian was saying, like Chanel, you know, has struggled to be like an actual receiver. So I'm assuming the plan is for him to just kind of be like almost kind of spell McCaffrey and those like short yardage kind of out the backfield, quick little, you know, slants and routes, things like that. And you got to manufacture him for sure. What was that? So you gotta manufacture him touches for sure. Yeah, like, yeah. Maybe we have a plane to do that, but I don't really expect it. I, 
I mean, maybe, you know, maybe they just saw, and we joke about him a lot, but seriously, though, one of the things that did kind of make me lean a little more on board with the Chenault trade was as soon as they mentioned that he can do stuff out of the backfield, I'm like, Mm -hmm. well, maybe now we don't have to stress about Chuba, a guy I don't think any of us feel comfortable with, especially catching passes from Baker. You know, it's not that, like, Chenault has great hands. I saw him drop a million passes for Trevor, but I'd still, like, I guess trust him to catch a, uh, you know, a – screen pass or right. you know a, a dump a dump off china or something like yeah. it should work one of those little shuffle passes forward and all that yeah i would be extremely surprised if he came out and he was like wide receiver three like right off the bat right like, <laughs> I, i'm really hoping it's more of like the hybrid kind of takes chuba's place um yeah, you know i would be fine with that um but no steve that is a good point because like we even had this talk I think on our last podcast for like, how do you narrow down these receivers? Because yeah. I know at least Chase and I, we like Zostra. They had right, that, yeah, uh, same. They, they had that right dude, the undefeated free agent who was in the practice squad. Like that was the one kind of room we were like, yeah, like you know, DJ Moore might be the only really high level player in this in this kind of receiver room, but there's plenty of other like dudes we all felt pretty confident in and also a little bit excited to watch so i was kind of surprised because like the denzel mems rumors broke first which for the record i would have liked that considerably better but i i was a bit surprised they've kind of been so eager to add bodies to the to the wide receiver room when i thought that was one of the deeper positions on the team so yeah and today they added preston williams so i mean that's yeah yeah another guy they added in um but yeah, I mean, we'll see how it plays out. Um, last thing I had jotted down was Zane Gonzalez injured and Eddie Pinero signed. Anybody, any thoughts on that, or should we just uh, close very, our eyes? very unfortunate, you know. Zane looked great by all accounts. I was super yeah. happy about him. Yeah. Uh, with kickers, though, there's it's so hard to project anything because I mean, kickers just get passed around the league, and one mm-hmm. one team. One team a player could one of these kickers could be at the fan base would consider them solid. You know, I I guarantee you one of those fan bases out there, I forgot his previous teams, thinks Zane Gonzalez is the worst kicker ever. You know, yeah, that's just how fans yeah. are. Right. And so ho- hopefully Eddie Panero is just average for us. He's one of, I really hope I don't notice the kicking. Right. I don't expect you to make every kick, but I don't want to walk away from a bunch of games thinking, well, he held us back. Yeah, kicking has gotten weird. I was talking to somebody about this the other day, but like it seems like there, like a few years ago or like you know maybe like 10 years ago or something like that kicking kickers were just like elite across the league and then like at some random point like now they just all suck <laughs> yeah I, I do think expectations and i actually talked about this on twitter with somebody else last week i think expectations for kickers are like too too high like it mm-hmm. ask ask panther fans who they think the best kicker we ever had is they're how oh, I, most of them are going to say john casey I'm not a numbers guy, you know, I era, whatever. You look at the numbers, Graham Gano was like so much better than John Casey. It, See, I, like, I didn't know that. That's interesting. Yeah, I didn't know that either. And I could be wrong. I, I, I would need to, I should have double checked the exact numbers, but I feel like I remember that before. Like, if you're talking about pure percentage wise, Graham Gano was better. It's just back in the day, you know, the threshold for kicking was viewed differently. Even in the NFL back in the day, even the early 2000s, anything past 50 feet was considered. Ooh, you know, but nowadays, if I if my team is a 52 yard kick, I, in my mind, that should be automatic. Mm-hmm. And so, 50 and below, I think, yeah, that that you you got you got to make that for sure. For that's sure. how that's how I view it. 50 to 55 in NFL is like a good kicker. You expect it. 50 or less, automatic. 
anything over 56, you're getting really gutsy. But I honestly, I just think standards for kickers have been raised so, so high. Really. I genuinely don't think kicking is like as bad overall as people think, but that's just my take. I would need to check actual numbers to back it up. You might be right. I don't know. What? One more thing I, I thought of too, to kind of spring up really quickly is I remember our last, and like, yeah, like I totally deserve this, but our, our last episode we recorded, I was like, you know, one good thing about this preseason so far is like no significant injuries yet. <laughs> the next day, Matt Corral out for the year, which I don't oh, think no. was ever for him to step on the field once this year. And I mean, again, to be fair, in the preseason, he didn't look anywhere near ready for actual NFL action, but it still sucks. I mean, he's missing a year of just practice and training and development. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so that's pretty a pretty big bummer. I, I don't know what sort of like um, voodoo magic PJ Walker's doing at his at his place, but what Sam out of here too for him to to save a roster spot because Corral yeah. gets hurt one week and then Darnold the next. So this dude yeah, like went to the, the Tom Brady school of something because <laughs> this this man, yeah, you're, you're I mean you're absolutely right. Like I mean. He seems like an absolutely great guy, but the writing was so on the wall for him to get cut. Like, it was absolutely obvious. And then he survived. Shout out to him. Uh, good for him, I guess. Keep getting that check, man. Well, while we're on the topic of preseason, it's kind of like just kind of segue into that. Um, kind of go through our quick thoughts about the three games, if you guys even watch them. I know Chase is like anti-preseason or something. I watched the one where the starters, <laughs> I watched the one where the starters played. I watched the one where the starters put. That's fair. I only watched the first one, so I mean that's kind of weird of me. But okay, so I guess I'm the psycho who watched like every second of all of it. <laughs> um, yeah, it was kind of weird because like game two against the Pats, we didn't play our starters and they played theirs. Then game three against Buffalo, we played our starters. But Buffalo didn't play theirs, so I guess teams just approach the preseason in different ways now. But I don't like it. I mean, like. Even, you know, we, we looked fine against Buffalo. And, like, again, it was their backups, but Buffalo probably has the deepest team in the league. So, I mean, I think, you know, there's there's reason to at least be a little encouraged from that last performance. And even even the Pats game, like, the defense looked really, really solid. I mean, I mean they were shutting the Patriots starting offense down uh, for, for most of that first half. So, and there's definitely some solid takeaways. I'm not really changing my prediction for the season based off that or anything. But, um, you know, there there were some decent things really on both sides of the ball. Of course, that last game, I mean, you know, Baker Baker looked, you know, really solid, I, I felt like. So, uh, so yeah, I mean, that was at least cool to see. And, you know, mm-hmm. we've, got, we've gone on this so many times. But, like, at the end of the day, I think the three of us, like, we're – just fans above all else we want this team to win and i know we've talked so much shit about matt rule all three of us have but i would eat my words in a second to see this team win like 10 to 11 games this year so right how would you say your expectations are now after uh preseason i mean, the season? i think oh, i think we oh. just lost chase we lost season. chase again Damn. Uh, I, I think my initial prediction was probably like six to seven wins and i'm not i'm just not really wavering from that Again, no one wants to be wrong worse than me, but I don't know. I mean, I still think the schedule is just brutal. Uh, I still think, you know, there's obvious questions all over the roster, you know, defensive end, quarterback, offensive line. Will Mm -hmm. McCaffrey stay healthy? So 
I just I would love to say I'm feeling like a 10 win season now, but I'm still not. <laughs> but again, you know, we'll we'll see. We'll see. Hey, Brian, I can guarantee you, like Saturday night when we're like drunk, <laughs> like partying out in Uptown, I can guarantee you, you're gonna be screaming Super Bowl. Uh, I don't <laughs> about that. Chase, where are you out of your expectations after preseason? So I'm gonna say, like my absolute, I I think kind of when we went over win loss two pods ago, um, I, I'm still right around. I I'm expecting eight to nine wins. I think that's about what I'm. Th- mm-hmm. Wait, did we did we lose him again? Oh no, I'm right here. Yeah, this this storm. Anybody in Charlotte? It's been raining all day. Um. Anyways, I think we're gonna go about eight and nine. If I had to bet my money on one of the record outcomes, I'd say eight and nine. Cool. Yeah, that that's kind of where I'm sitting at as well. I feel like eight's kind of like uh, eight would be a pretty solid season for me. Um. You know, realistically, probably somewhere around seven, six. But yeah. you know, I, I definitely feel a little bit more hopeful. Um. Than I than I did around draft time or. You know, even a little bit after that, once we traded for Baker, like, you know, I might be a Baker guy now. I don't know. But, you know, well, I feel good. At, at 4.30, about 4.37 Sunday afternoon, I'll be able to tell you whether or not I'm a Baker guy. <laughs> <laughs> I heard that. All right. Are you all ready to go ahead and I can uh, get Corey on here and we'll get this Browns preview rolling? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Send him the link. Word, word, word. All right, Brian's going to send the link. We will be right back with Corey Kennan. All right, guys, we are back um, with Corey Kennan, uh, who I've been following on Twitter for a few years. He covers the Browns for the Orange and Brown Report with, uh, I think it's through CBS Sports and 247, if I'm not mistaken. He, al- he also does exceptional uh, work covering the NFL draft. So so we're pumped to have him on to help us preview Sunday's matchup. Corey, man, how you doing? Yeah, yeah, not too bad. Labor Day weekend, three-day week, or three-day weekend, so can't, can't do too much complaining. Uh, and then, you know, we got football Thursday night, so. Hell yeah. It's a good time yep. to be alive. It sure is. I, I was I was talking earlier in the show though. I don't I don't know how much college football you watched this weekend, but I'm an App State alum. So my I was like it took all of three hours for this sport to just break my heart after they lost to UNC sixty three to sixty one. So that was forty rough. points in one quarter is pretty absurd though. Yeah, six in, touchdowns in one quarter and still lost the game. But hey, yeah. we're back though. We're back. My heart's being broken again. Won't be the first time this season, I'm <laughs> sure. Love it. So obviously, um, Panthers Browns Sunday. Uh, last I looked, at the spreads like two and a half favoring Carolina, which is kind of interesting. I think the Browns opened as like four point favorites until, of course, the Deshaun Watson suspension broke, and we found out it would be Jacoby Brissett playing quarterback for the Browns. So uh, I guess kind of to start. I mean, let's get this out of the way early, Corey. Because you've watched our new quarterback a lot over the past few years. I guess, what's your early thoughts on this quarterback battle Sunday? Yeah, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a barn burner, that's for sure. Oh, no. What uh, does that mean? I mean, I, I will say, I will say for, from Baker Mayfield's perspective, this is probably the best unit of receivers he's had uh, to, to throw to. Because, I mean, if you think about it, Odell Beckham Jr. was kind of, I mean, I would say he was healthy this past season and, you know, the uh, 
his dad posting a, a montage of missed opportunities kind of showed a little bit there, but when, you know, outside of no Odell, which he was hurt two years ago, worked his way out last year. I mean, he's thrown to Jarvis Landry who can't separate outside of five yards from the line of scrimmage and Rashard Higgins and uh, Harrison Bryant. Like I mean, if we're being honest, the best target that he probably was throwing to last season was David and Joku. Uh, so I, 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 like outside of, outside of that, I mean, I'll, so I'll say like DJ Moore, huge upgrade. Uh, Robbie Anderson, the best deep threat he's ever thrown to. So, uh, you know, Robbie Anderson kind of has his own thing if he's not getting fed the football, but that's a, that's kind of a different story. But I will say from Mayfield's perspective, like this is probably the best set of, of skill players he's, he's played with. Um, so, I mean, that's a good place to start, but like it also can't be understated how bad he was last year and we can blame the shoulder. We can blame whatever we want, but like the Browns saw bottom five quarterback play out of that guy a year ago. So you know, maybe it was the shoulder, but but one thing I've I've kind of known about Mayfield over the past four years is he's I don't know how to say this diplomatically, but he's kind of a prick who's kind of refused to put in the work outside of the building. But it sounded like this summer is the first season that he's kind of reached out to a coach outside of the building and worked with somebody over the summer. So who knows? This could be a completely different Mayfield, but I don't know, man. I I have a hard time thinking a switch was flipped overnight. Uh, I have a lot of, I have, I have a, a pretty bad taste and I'm trying to be as, as like non-biased as I can. Uh, but, but the guy starting for Cleveland's not much better. So, <laughs> so like that, that that's kind of what I got to go with is like, I, I don't know, man. Could be, has love, potentially really ugly football. I love this 180 from how we were just like hyping up Baker and then he gets on. <laughs> of, 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 of course, of course it's the fan in me wanting to, you know, be positive about it. But one thing I will say Yes, I agree. Like, Baker was terrible last year. But I will say, with, with a torn labor, and people can talk about it being the off, you know, off shoulder and everything, I've known – just as someone, you know, I kind of do stuff involving the body for a living, and I, I literally know, know somebody personally who tore their labrum. And, like, I mean, they're not an NFL quarterback, but, like, they – they couldn't even drive without being in pain. They couldn't sit for, sit for a certain amount of time driving without being in pain, let alone do anything like athletically. No, you know what I mean? And so it's like, I'd have to see him be terrible, that terrible again, before I don't just play that off as, Hey, he, he tore his labrum, you know, being a fan of the team he's on. Of course, I get it from an outside perspective, especially somebody who's had to watch that already happen for their team. But I think as a Panthers fan or fans in general, that is why we are kind of bringing up the labrum is because it's like, that's a devastating injury to have for any doing anything in life, even if you're not an NFL quarterback. So until, you know, he's that bad again, I'm just going to kind of lean on that as my reasoning for him being bad last year. I just, I'm not, I was, I was just dying laughing at a few like things. And like, uh, first off, Corey was talking about Richard Higgins, who's like <laughs> on Sunday. <laughs> so yeah, he's actually, yeah, I, I, he actually had a good preseason, but, uh, but I think you're definitely right though. I mean, DJ Moore is obviously the best target that Mayfield's ever had. And between Moore and McCaffrey, those are two dudes who, are really kind of the most dangerous, like, in between the numbers, you know? Just get the ball in their hands and just let them go to work. Uh, so maybe that will alleviate some of the pressure for Mayfield some there. Um, and I think one reason, like, we are excited is because as bad as Mayfield was last year, I promise we had it worse, man, with Sam Darnold. So. Also that. Also that. <laughs> we can only go up. Like, I, sure. I, said, I said this, like, Sam's best season – Still wasn't even anywhere near as good as Baker playing with a torn labrum. 
So it's just hard to believe it can get worse. We just <laughs> lost Corey. Oh man. Here I'll I'll, uh, I'll DM him real quick. There was one thing I actually do want to ask him, just because he's talking about the Brown supporting cast, and we'll talk about that now. You know, I, I do think a lot of more Baker critics do kind of talk about how stacked the Browns have been. I'd just be interested to see from a Browns fan's perspective. Oh. Can you guys hear me? Yeah. yeah. It happens, man. You're good. Corey, there was a question I wanted to ask you because you already kind of touched on it some. Um, so, you know, a lot of people that – I think especially people that are really, really down on Baker have kind of talked about, well, he couldn't get it done with the Browns, which is a Super Bowl roster and all that, saying that – you know, you, you kind of hear similar-ish things to that. I'm sure you have seen some of that. You kind of already touched on it some with the supporting cast. In your opinion, do you genuinely feel like Baker was given a Super Bowl roster in Cleveland, or do you th- feel like that's been a little overstated between the receivers and the, uh, you know, the turnstile at coaching staffs and things like that? Oh, sorry, guys. Can you guys hear me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah my bad. My computer decided to freeze right in the middle of that. <laughs> Did you hear the question I just asked? No. So the um, last thing I remember hearing was uh, talking about the torn labrum. Okay. So one question I wanted to ask you, um, because I'm sure you've seen some of this as being a Browns fan, or at least heard it. People, especially bigger, bigger critics, talk about you know, well he he'll fell. I mean, he was given a Super Bowl roster in Cleveland, couldn't get it done, all that. You touched on it some with the wide receiver group, um, but I was just curious if you think the stacked Browns roster thing had been a little overstated through the years between the wide receivers and the turnstile at some of the coaching areas and things like. Do you think that's been overstated that the Browns had some crazy stacked roster? Yeah, I do. Um, I mean, if you go back to 20, 2019 is when people were start, started saying that, which was the year Freddie Kitchens was hired, who has turned out to be, you know, a certified dumbass with the <laughs> play sheet in front of him. Like, so I think it starts there. Like, yeah, oh, that's the year they got Odell and there was so much hype. Like, Odell's here. They got Jarvis. Like, this is an off. They got Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt. Like, this is a stacked team. Uh, but then if you look at their tackle situation, they were starting Greg Robinson and Chris Hubbard at left and right tackle. So, like, Greg Robinson has most recently been known for trying to smuggle a sh- like a, a lot of weed over the Mexican border. So like he's, he's not playing football anytime soon and hasn't played football in a, in a long time. Like, and then Chris Hubbard is, is still the Browns swing tackle. So that's great. Like he's made a really good career, but like he shouldn't be starting at right tackle. He should be a swing tackle who can play tackle or guard if a guy goes down. And then the next year, yeah, they go out and they upgrade and they get Jedrick Wills with the 10th overall pick in the 2020, 2020 NFL draft. That would have been. Yeah. And then they signed Jack Conklin. Offensive line is, is spectacularly better. But uh, again, Odell Beckham Jr. tears his ACL like what, eight weeks into the season, seven weeks into the season. Uh, so again, he's throwing to Austin Hooper, who uh, for all accounts was the highest paid tight end at the time he signed in Cleveland and didn't pan out. Uh, and then he was throwing to Jarvis Landry. Again, we, we've covered kind of the the inabilities of Jarvis. Again, he's a great receiver when he's asked to kind of work over the middle through zone coverage, but like, he's not a guy who's going to beat one-on-one press coverage. He's not a guy who's going to win vertically. So he has a very small niche. And then Rashard Higgins has been his favorite target who he's still got in Carolina. Uh, but Higgins is kind of the same way. He's more consistent working a little bit further down the field, but he's again, he runs a four, six. He's not like, he's not a tremendous mm-hmm. athlete. So yeah, I do think, and then, and then, yeah, we can talk about the run game, that offensive line and Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, but like, if you look at the teams that have won the Super Bowl over the past few years, like running the ball 30 plus times a game isn't a winning recipe in, in the NFL. So like, yeah, they had a really spectacular run game, but how does that help you when you're down two scores? 
So, uh, yeah, I do think the talent was, was kind of a little bit overblown. Um, and if that is still a thing that people say, I would say it's still really overblown, you know, outside of Amari Cooper like that, uh, you know, in Cleveland, it's, it's, it's bad. And, you know, I, I, so again, I think this is his best, the, the best set of skill players he's, he's ever played with. Um, as long as everybody stays healthy. Sure. If we had a healthy Odell for two seasons, three seasons, instead of eight games here, eight games there, it might've been a different story. Like he went for a thousand yards and a handful of touchdowns that one 2019 season. So I don't know. I do think it's a little bit overblown though. Yeah, and I kind of think, like, thinking about, like, now with Carolina's roster, one of the biggest X factors for, for Mayfield or whoever's playing quarterback is just if Christian McCaffrey can stay healthy, he's a quarterback's best friend. I mean, put him mm-hmm. in the slot, just out of the backfield. He's one of the best receivers in the NFL. Um, so, so hopefully that might can help him a little bit as well. I mean, I think me, Stephen Chase, we're, we're all somewhat realistic. We won't expect like a Pro Bowl season out of Mayfield, but kind of, again, compared to what we had the last two years with Teddy Bridgewater and especially Sam Darnold last year, I think we're hoping this should at least be a bit of an upgrade at that spot, which, you know, because, I mean, we've just – we've been so devoid uh, of good play at the position ever since kind of Kim Newton started getting injured, so – um, I think some mild optimism, but I think we're all trying to remain as realistic as we can too. For sure. Yeah. I'm, there, there's always going to be the fan in you, you know, that's excited, you know, pregame, you know, if we win this game, yeah, yeah, hey, we're going to the Super Bowl. you know, just the fun part of being a fan, but realistically, yeah. You know, I, I, I think if I had to put a percentage on it, you know, I'd say there's about a 33% chance this Baker situation goes horribly, probably about a 33% chance that, goes average he plays like he's a starting QB but not nearely enough for Carolina to right they're like not even consider keeping him and maybe a 33% chance he plays really well um and then Panthers maybe gets get him on some type of deal again right that's that'd probably be where I'd put like the odds yeah that sounds that sounds fair to me I'm just interested it's like from an outsider looking in it's very interesting to see what David Tepper is allowing for for Matt Rule to kind of do and for um, gosh, why can't I think of the GM's name? Help me out here. Fitterer. Fitter. Fitterer. Yes, yeah, Scott Fitterer. Like what? I mean, from an outside in perspective, it looks like oh, these guys are like the clear favorite to be the first ones fired. Like you know, coaches yeah. fired midseason. Like, <laughs> but like Tepper hasn't stopped them from just lighting draft capital on fire. Yeah, we were like, just talking about that. Yeah, so Brian, I, Brian an, that. It's an interesting perspective. It's like, and so part of me thinks you know if Matt Corral wouldn't have got hurt, I would have thought, Oh, by week eight, if these guys get, you know, cleaned house, like they're going to try to see what Corral has. They're going to throw them in there and see what they got, but Corral's out for the year now. So I think Mayfield by default gets, gets the full season. Uh, but it sh- it's going to be really interesting because I, I mean, it seems like Vegas is on for, for Carolina to win seven, eight games. If that happens, Mayfield's back, I think. Uh, but Carolina also isn't a team that I like Matt rules, not a guy I can bet on. Like that's not that's not a guy I'm gonna be like yeah I'm gonna put some money on that. I, I don't. So I don't know. I don't blame. <laughs> I, I don't blame you at all because you're right. You know it feels like Rule is the number one coach on the hot seat. Vegas projects that everyone does, but Tepper isn't allowing him to kind of just be a lame duck coach. You know he didn't just put a stop to hey you're not making any moves this off season either it gets better or it doesn't it's probably not gonna get better. It's like he's on the hot seat but he's still being allowed control of the future of the franchise years and years down the road with this whole, you know, him and fitter, you know, making the trades and the moves. Right. So it is, it, it is interesting. Um, I don't know. You know, I mean, we'll see how it works out. But I mean, I still don't really trust rule. Um, I just, 
I, I, I just don't know if the whole college style is, is going to work. Yeah, because we, we were talking before you came on, Corey, about the LaVisca Chenault trade we made this week. And, like, again, it's, it's a sixth and seventh round pick, but I was kind of like, why? I mean, like, I mean, you can say, like, those picks have no value, but it's like, just like, we're just so obsessed with just throwing away. I mean, we're already down a third round pick next year, which they moved for Corral. We traded a future fifth for Mayfield. Now we just gave another sixth and seventh round pick, which granted we did make another trade. We traded like one of our scrub offensive linemen for a future fifth. We like that deal. Um, but yeah, that, that's just an obvious source of frustration for all of us. I mean, the Darnold trade, seriously, one of the worst in NFL history. I mean, just the way they managed that, just, just horrific, giving him the fifth year option, giving three picks for him. And it's just like they refuse to learn from their lessons. That's what it at least seems like to me. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, fascinating stuff. And they, apparently they were also all in on Watson. So, you know. Oh, well, so we talked to Adley. Too, so. We're just, yeah. We're, yeah. We, I, I think I we pretend didn't tell all happen. the Watson talk, but. <laughs> I, I, I pretend that didn't happen. Yeah, that yeah. was an embarrassing part of our uh, of our fanhood. The, the only... Imagine him being on your roster. So. Yeah, that's, that's fair. <laughs> the only dignity I will give the silver line, the only silver lining I will give our management is that they weren't dumb enough to guarantee him all that money. That's all I'll say. <laughs> I'm, I'm surprised that I'm surprised they didn't. I, I truly am. I, I can't believe it. Oh, they yeah, were same. they were twerking hard for him. They were twerking it, hard. That's for the weird year. thing. For over a year. Yeah. It was kind of pathetic. Like, I mean that probably just tells you though that we had he didn't want to come here pretty much. And <laughs> nothing we gave him was going to convince him of that. Because they <laughs> definitely would have gave him all that money. Because that doesn't make any sense to me. They told him he can handpick a head coach too, if I read that correctly. Yeah, <laughs> they gave him everything. <laughs> Jeez. Um, to change gears a little bit, I know one thing I definitely wanted to ask Corey. I, I think one of the most interesting matchups to watch on Sunday um, is going to be, you know, we took Icky Aquani with the sixth overall pick, mm-hmm. and it's like welcome to the league moment for him, lining up across Miles Garrett week one. Uh, Corey, I know you're a huge draft guy, like. Would you mind just kind of, you know, telling us a bit like what you thought of Aquani as a prospect and and maybe how you think that's going to go on Sunday? Yeah, so he's he's a bully. He's a bully for sure. And he's and he's very light on his feet for how big he is. Like he's clearly not a small dude, uh, but he's pretty pretty mobile. So he can get. I mean, NC State ran a wide zone scheme, so he had the ability to get to the boundary really well. Had the ability to climb to the second level really well. Uh, I mean, there's a reason he was was the sixth overall pick. You know, so. Uh, he's a, he's a bully. Um, I do kind of question some of the stuff of like, okay, but when, when a pass rusher can get to that, you know, that, that high side, that outside shoulder, how flexible is he to, to kind of reset his hands and, and remain in control? So going to, I mean, Miles, I mean, you, you talked about it, like you have to go against arguably the best pass rusher in the NFL in your first career game. So good luck. Uh, <laughs> who's one of the most flexible, like he's, he's six, six, 280 pounds and can bend like Gumby. So like, so with that being a concern I had about Aquanu, like that that'll be that'll be an interesting thing to watch. But against the run, like oh my gosh, Aquanu, my goodness, uh, can can bury people, can absolutely bury people. But uh, how how much movement? So I, I guess what I'll be watching is in the run game, how much movement off of the point of attack can he generate against again potentially who I think is is the best pass rusher in the NFL, and then uh, as a pass blocker, how how agile how light on his feet can he be back in his set to uh 
to stop a guy coming at you, you know, from the outside, I, I don't have any ability to, to think that here. I don't have any reason to think that he wouldn't be able to, to hold his own, you know, against, you know, when stunting inside against Jadavian Clowney, who's a pure power rusher. Sure. Like he's probably not going to get home a whole, whole lot against Aquano. Uh, if, if, I mean, Clowney's usually on the, on the left side. So against the right tackle most of the time, but uh, so that'll be something I'm interested to see is, is how well can he, can he, can he hang when that outside shoulders is attacked by a guy with, with a good deal of flexibility. And we did see a little bit of that in preseason, the uh, the second preseason game against New England. We did see him get beat that similar way once or twice, I believe. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it, it, it's it's definitely a legitimate question, you know, because that pass pro was the question mark. You mentioned the running. I'm kind of transitioning into that. That is one thing you mentioned the game's going to be a barn, barn burner. I mean, honestly, I could see both teams running all over each other te- each other's interior defensive line. You know, the Browns' interior D-line is terrible. Bad. And, and, and the, yeah, and, and the Panthers is extremely up in the air. Derek Brown, could he? Is does he have another step to take? We have no. Ionitis, which I really hope is like a solid pickup. Uh, but Derek Brown, right? I said I'm, I'm not. I don't rate him super well. So I could easily. I mean, mix that with the best rushing duo in the league. I mean, the best running back duo in the league. I could easily see both teams running the ball a lot up the middle and down each other's throat. Yeah, I, I could see that too. Uh, I will say that, like, the one thing that I, I guess, hold hope on is that I think the Browns are going to do a, a good job of, of defending the boundary. So, you know, they could get gashed up the middle, like, for sure. Uh, I like some things I saw from Jordan Elliott. I like some things I saw from Taven Bryan in the preseason, but I have no reason to think that Bryan in what year five is going to become the first round pick that he was four years ago. Like, right. I don't have any reason to believe that, but, you know, or Jordan Elliott finally in year, what is this, year four for him uh is all of a sudden gonna become you know i mean he was a top 100 pick so i mean that's not like a guaranteed pick anyway but like that he's all of a sudden become a become some quality starter you know maybe but like that's not a again that's not a bet i'm willing to make so uh second level of the defense is really good though so jeremiah usukormo uh, uh and they're gonna run a lot of speed speed packages so a lot of nickel a lot of dime so i mean if the panthers are gonna gonna win it's gonna be up the, it's going to be in the trenches. So uh, I just, I just don't think they're going to beat the Browns of the boundary because the Browns are going to put speed on the field pretty consistently. So, uh, and then, yeah, if the Browns are going to win this game, it's going to be at the legs of, of Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. Like I, I will feel good if they can stretch it to a 10, like a nine plus lead. If they can get to that point, mm-hmm. then I'll feel like, okay, I think that I think the Browns can control the clock. I think the Browns can control the game. Uh, but kind of on the flip side, if they get down nine, it's like, okay, now you got to really, put it the ball in Jacoby's hands and say what he got. So uh, it's a, it's a tight game in Vegas for a reason. So yeah, super, super bizarre matchup. Yeah. I mean, I, I think both teams, I mean, Matt rule said over and over, like he wants the team's identity to be to run the ball. And that's great when you have a healthy Christian McCaffrey, which I mean, surely to goodness someday we will. Um, but the wheels have kind of all fallen off for the Panthers the last few years when the has gone down. So I think, yeah, I mean, both teams are going to try to run the ball. And I think it sounds so simple to say whichever team has more success, especially early in the game, um, will probably be in a good spot to win. Uh, and I, I do like Carolina's chances that they pull off a chunk play here or there. I mean, maybe DJ, you know, DJ Moore is so good with the ball in his hands. And he's, you know, both him and Robbie are, you know, kind of, pretty good you know going deep as well so um so, so i mean i don't i mean i'll watch him be wrong like 
unless Nick Chubb breaks off an 80-yard run, like, I, I just – I don't really see our secondary, like, getting beat by Cleveland's passing offense, like some huge, like, stretch play, you know? Mm-hmm. And, of course, like, that could obviously happen. But um, – because I think another great matchup is going to be J.C. Horn and Amari Cooper. Like, I think Cooper's one of the best route runners in the NFL. And mm-hmm. all of the reports from Panthers training camp have said J.C. Horn has just looked dominant. It's a physical specimen. So – we didn't see much of him last year. He looked dominant when he was out there, but that's another kind of matchup I'm for sure going to be keeping an eye on as well. Yeah, I love Amari Cooper, but he's historically played 12 games in a season, and outside of that, it's Donovan Peoples-Jones, Anthony Schwartz, who couldn't catch a cold in the preseason. Uh, <laughs> David Bell, who's again was productive in college, but you know, top 100 pick, not going to beat anybody, you know, vertically. Uh, so it's a pretty ugly room. Uh, JC Horn. I love JC Horn. I love JC Horn. So I hope he's healthy. One of the best press man corners I've ever watched in my life. So, mm-hmm. uh, should be a really fun matchup. Should be a really fun matchup there. That's high praise. Yeah. I mean, you know, NC state legend, Jacoby Brissett, you know, he, he could pull <laughs> off, he could pull <laughs> off a masterclass performance, you know, as, as someone, you know, I, I, you know, he's, he's, he's just so good, but, you know, well, same, with, same with Baker, though. <laughs> like at the same point, kind of the same with Baker, like Baker could go out and throw for 304 touchdowns or could go out and throw for a buck 50 and four picks. Like you <laughs> just never know on a given week. There, there's some nice next gen stats, Baker Mayfield passing charts out there. There's some ugly oh ones, God. but there are some very, very nice ones. <laughs> like the, the one against, uh, oh my God. Baltimore, wasn't it? Baltimore. Oh, week one of 2020. It was yeah, there was some I, y'all won some high scoring game. I remember Donovan Peoples Jones had some crazy catch in twenty twenty in that oh, game. I remember the Bengals game where Peoples Jones caught a game winning. Yes, th- that five, game, yeah. the Chargers game last year. Like, come on, give me give me that Baker, give me that Baker. But no, I, I mean it, he's going up against you know potentially, I, I would say one of the best pass rush duos yeah, in the league. I, I agree, and then I would say, man. The Browns secondary is really, it's really good, man. Yeah. Really good. Like a top – Denzel Ward has is, is, is kind of solidified himself as a top five guy at the position. Greg yeah. Newsom, again, wasn't healthy all last season, but was up there with Patrick Sertain in, in terms of, of rookie performances at corner. Like the, the secondary is really good. Yeah, it's 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 going to be interesting because like you were saying, you know, it, it's I'm sure it's weird to have like the best pass rush duo and then the worst – interior d-line like that's just such a i don't know i mean they're different positions but yeah it's the browns defense. I mean, that's how it kind of was last year too last year they played malik jackson you know with one foot in the grave in his career and then malik mcdowell as well and they were uh, pff, some of the worst defensive tackles in all of football last year and and like for better and, and maybe this is a good thing for the panthers too even with mayfield playing as bad as he was the browns lost a good chunk of games like on the last drive or by one score so when I think about the Brown season and, and maybe this is, I don't know if this is a good way to think about the Panther season. Maybe you throw out the whole last season for Baker, but like as long as like you're within one score, then you have a chance to win the game. Like even as mm-hmm. if, even if your quarterback is bad, like right, the defense has a chance to keep you in those games. So I don't know, man, it's going to be a funky, funky season for, I think both of these teams, even, even the worst quarterbacks can pull like a game winning drive out of their ass. Um, so yeah, no, I know what you mean. 
Uh, we never saw Sam Darnold do it, man. So. Hey, hey, don't, don't <laughs> hey, week one through three, Sam Darnold was elite last year. Don't, don't forget, uh, can't forget those three weeks. Don't forget the game tying drive against the Vikings. He was he was horrendous the entire game, and then the last to tie to send it to OT against the Vikings, he made like three throws that I've only seen like Aaron Rodgers make out of, after, <laughs> after playing one of the worst games yeah, ever. It was r- absurd, man. <laughs> I was like, I, that one throw he made to Tommy, I was like, I don't even, other than Aaron Rodgers and Mahomes, who else could even make that? And then he'll, and then he'll make the worst throw you've ever seen. 89% yeah. of the time. <laughs> Sounds weird. Weird. weird player. Yeah. We, <laughs> I, I think I'll definitely have an easier time talking myself into Baker than Darnold. So I at least have that I at least have that goal. I'm sure Browns fans definitely think Panthers fans are delusional being super positive about Baker, and I don't blame them at all. Like I said, you know, if the roles were reversed, I'm sure we'd feel the same. But like what Brian just said, Baker's personality, like in terms of the fact that he just kind of – you can tell he really wants to win. That's a stark contrast from Sam Darnold and Teddy. And that's that's a big reason why I really want to get behind him because like Cam, it's like you can tell he hates to lose. And I appreciate that rather than you play the worst game ever and you just look like it's another day, you know. Yeah. Saying uh, Panther fans are super excited about Baker might be an extreme stretch, by the way. <laughs> Panthers fans off Twitter. Let's let's. Okay, that, that's probably because <laughs> like I talked to my dad today. He's like, "Man, I'm really excited about Baker." You know, like you know, saying <laughs> saying all the basic stuff. But Panthers fans on Twitter, no. Yeah, I and think so, uh, the thing with Baker is like, and again, he had the best offensive line in football the past two years. Like. When everything is perfect for him, he's a very good quarterback. Yeah. But if he's if he's at least this was the case over the past two years, like when he's faced with pressure, or, or when like the Browns dialed up a lot of play action shots. So if that guy who, who's dialed up off play action isn't there, and he's forced to kind of get his eye, try to get his eyes to backside, it's kind of when his feet get panicky. He gets happy feet. He mm-hmm. starts to lose confidence. Uh, again, so like yeah. Perfect situation, Baker. He, he's really, really good. Um, and again, he's worked with the coach this offseason. But, you know, so so we'll see. But again, I, going from Kevin Stefanski to Ben McAdoo is, is, is not an upgrade. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> man, I have a hard time buying into it. I just have a hard time buying into it as a guy who's watched four years of Baker. The, the happy feet worry me a lot. That's definitely my biggest worry with him is the happy feet. It's a bit, it's a big problem. And it's really anytime he's, he's been asked to come kind of come off that, that, schemed open first guy when he's forced to try to get his eyes backside get to get his eyes to number two it's kind of when he starts to panic a little bit um who's you know but again like i've seen baker mayfield play some really good football i've seen baker mayfield play some atrocious freaking football (laughs) so uh, you know maybe working with the coach who what that he's always been unwilling to do up to this point you know maybe maybe this was a humbling situation but like i think the the best way that i could put it with baker is like He's still OU Baker. And when you're a fifth-year senior leading a locker room with a bunch of freshmen and sophomores, yeah, that persona kind of mm-hmm. kind of gets you where you need to be as a leader. But when you try to do that same persona with 30, like 30-year-old <laughs> vets who have been in NFL locker rooms, like I, I don't think they respect that kind of leadership. You know, like I don't think they like that. I don't think his persona kind of commands a locker room. Uh, like, I, I mean, I've heard some stuff like Jadavian Clowney flat out told the Browns that this guy's back. I'm not resigning. Like, and uh, he's not the only player I've heard that about. Like, so I, I, he had a hard time winning over the Browns locker room. And I, I think the Odell stuff played into it, but so I, I just tend to think his persona, yeah, worked at Oklahoma. 
I, I don't know how much he can he he gets vets to buy into his whole chip on the shoulder. I'm an underdog, even though he's been a silver spoon guy his whole life. Like I, I, I don't. He, he, he you can't get you know a 30 year old vet who literally you know came from New Jersey, came from, from like from East LA. Like if you come in here and to be like, oh, I, I had nothing and I worked my way up. It's like no, you no, you didn't, man. Like you're from <laughs> Lake Travis, Oklahoma, like Lake Travis, Texas. Like so I, I think that's 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 my biggest thing with Baker's like I just I don't think he has the respect of vets but again this whole thing could have humbled him this whole Browns thing could have humbled him so we'll see yeah those are all, those are all really good points and yeah. I mean the, the Panthers because like the Panthers locker room I think is so devoid of of leadership in general right <laughs> now because like since the core of that 2015 team moved on you know uh, obviously new and Keekley Thomas Davis like you, they it's like they tried to go youth movement, but they've taken so many shortcuts. And it's just, it's a weird roster construction right now where the core, like the core of the team is still pretty young. And we're still kind of trying to figure out like, who's these core guys for the future. Like DJ Moore's probably one. I mean, McCaffrey, if you can stay healthy. Uh, I mean, Shaq Thompson's been, been there for a long time. I would expect Brian Burns to be a part of the team's future as well. But besides that, it's just like, that, that would be an interesting dynamic because, like, the whole Baker leadership thing, I've never thought too much of, but I do know this team, they need leadership in the worst way, especially on the most important positions. So. Especially on offense. Oh, for sure, for sure. Defense, right. we, can, we have some guys, you know, like Burns, Shaq, they step up. Offense, mm-hmm. you know, McCaffrey and Moore are quiet leaders, you know, by example. We don't have we don't have that dog on it. Taylor Moten, but he's not, yeah. <laughs> yeah, even him, though. Like yeah. he, he, he even feels like a gentle giant in a way. Yeah, you know what I mean? Exactly. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's easier said than done. But one thing, you know, because you did talk about that, um, she, Sheena Quick, which is one of the Panthers, I'd, I'd say she's one of our better reporters, you know, independent reporters that, you know, covers the team. She goes on Pat McAfee's show once a week recently, and she's even kind of touched on that saying she really does truly like from being up close with the team feel like this whole situation really, truly humbled Baker. So hopefully all those little stories we're hearing are true about, you know, this humbling him, him working with somebody outside. Like, ho- hopefully that isn't just talk, right? I guess that's the hope we have to cling on is that some of the stuff we're hearing about how it really does seem like the situation humbled him uh, is going to be better. Because if you want to look at the flip side with Sam Darnold, all we heard all offseason was, oh, poor him. He came from the Jets. Now he's been saved. Versus Baker, it's more so like his, his reputation has been in the toilet. You know, it, it's like his entire world has been like, I guess, like, just, you know, it's like his everything he's ever thought of himself. It almost seems like it's been taken away. So hopefully that is kind of, you know, some real humbling and the process went on. Yeah, I, I would like to think so, too, you know. But, like, every time I start to think, like, oh, yeah, maybe this. And then he comes out with T-shirts, you know, off the leash. It's like, okay. Like, <laughs> you said I'm not I'm not, I'm not going to talk. I'm going to let my player do the talking. And then, like, you tweet that out. It's like, okay, man, like, where are we at here? I mean, I think we've covered a lot of the big matchups and stuff. I mean, before we get to score predictions, like, is there, I mean, can y'all think of any other storylines? I mean, obviously, we talked Mayfield a lot, which how could we not? But I'm trying to think if there's, like, any, like, really, like, Austin Corbett rever- revenge game. Oh. <laughs> how are people not talking about that? Yeah. <laughs> 
So I think we hit, I hit, we hit the highlights, right? Do y'all want to do some score oh. predictions and wrap this thing up? Sure. Yeah, cool with that. Who wants to go first? I don't really want to. <laughs> <laughs> Corey, Corey made a lot of points, and I'm kind of like going back uh, on what I what I thought was going to happen. <laughs> no, I mean, not, the, the Panthers not. are favored in the game, so I think I think it's going to be close. It's going to be a one score game, I think, and I think it's going to be pretty v- ugly football. V- Vegas going to be pretty ugly football. Vegas normally gives the home team about three. So basically, they're saying like on a neutral site, these teams are basically the same thing. Um, yeah. Uh, all right, so I'll go ahead and step up. Um, I'm going to say Panthers 27-23. Uh, High-scoring game. Hey, Jacoby Brissett and Baker Mayfield, baby. You don't get better than that. So, <laughs> But, no, I, I think it will be about 27-23. It's one of those that seems – it's like – that seems like it's high-scoring, but I think both teams will break open some big runs, things like that. Um, uh, yeah, I'll say 27-23. I'll, I'll roll with that. I was thinking Panthers 21-17. That's kind of the number I've had in my head. Yeah, I was leaning 24-17 Panthers. I was leaning 24-23 Browns. Katie York, 70-yard <laughs> field goal to win the game. Oh, oh, man. I, or I like know. Baker Mayfield interception on the game-winning oh, drive gosh. opportunity. Is, I mean, is, that, is, that, is that what you're thinking? Oh, that's a common that's thing. Three, oh. man. That would be, that would be <laughs> meltdown I mean, mode. I need to. I would need to see a number on that, but I, I, I would have a reason to believe that Baker Mayfield might have the most game-winning drive interceptions of any quarterback in the past. Just like, I've seen it happen a lot. It's like the last last drive, like game-winning drive comes up is like, well, yeah, I know what's happening. I, uh, I need that Baker Mayfield game-winning drive like hooked into my veins. <laughs> I, I, I will do anything to be because I'm because me, I'm me and Brian are both going to the game. Like I will do anything to be in the stands for that. You know, I had my – I thought I had the chance uh, Cam's return last year. I thought I was going to get to see that game-winning drive. No. So, I need that. I, I need this game, Baker Mayfield game-winning drive to come Sunday. Oh, he but, will be unbelievably obnoxious. <laughs> and I need that. I need that. I need him to be the most obnoxious human oh, being man. ever. Like, I, I, neither team winning either way would overly surprise me, but it would surprise me if either team won by a lot. That's what I'll say. I would agree with that. Yeah. I will say he basically handed TJ Watt the defensive player of the year in the week 16 game against the Steelers, you know, <laughs> sitting in the pocket for eight years. And I think TJ Watt had four sacks. So, you know, I'm hoping for some Miles Garrett action. We'll see. TJ Watt's a sore subject around here. Yeah, I, I yeah, swear that was the injury that led to Cam some lives. But anyways, anyway. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, I mean, Corey, do you want to like plug your socials real quick before, before we get out of here? Yeah, so uh, I'm really only big on on Twitter. You can't find me. I'm I'm, I'm too old for the TikTok. So uh, <laughs> hey, I'm at, at real Corey Cannon. You know, I turned thirty and I turned to thirty in May. So you know, once you hit thirty, it's it's over. So uh, real Corey Cannon on Twitter is where you can find me. Again, writing at the OBR. Um, so that, that that's pretty much it. Yeah, looking to to getting into some some more draft content here in the near future. But for for right now, that that's pretty much it. Sweet. Hey, we really appreciate it, man, and For I'm sure. sure we'll have more to talk about after the game this week, but I think we're all just pumped to see football back, so we really appreciate you taking the time, and um, yeah, take it easy, man. Yeah, just make sure to have me back for the Browns-Panthers uh, Super Bowl rematch, so. <laughs> <laughs> hey, put it on your calendar right now, man. We'll do it. <laughs> Absolutely. Have a good night, guys. See ya.